Our New Testament passage today is coming from the book of Acts, chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 6. I invite you to follow along in your own personal Bible or listen to the word as it is read. But Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, brothers and sisters, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of spirit and of wisdom, who we may appoint to this task. And while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Procorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmesius, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they had these men stand before the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So before I worked for the church, I had this crazy idea that I was going to go on an international mission trip. I felt the calling to step out in faith and go with the team from St. Matthew's to Honduras and to serve the people there for a full week. You know, and as I felt this calling, I was getting real excited about it. But then, you know, something really set into me, the realities of what it takes to go on a mission trip. And one of the realities of getting ready for the mission trip is that you actually have to get on a plane and go across a body of water to get to Honduras. And as I've gotten older in life, I've gotten this almost unhealthy fear of flying. When I was younger, I was cool with it. But I guess as you get older, you start thinking about all the stuff that can just happen when you're in this big old metal fuselage miles above land and you're flying at 500 plus miles per hour, you know, all the things. So I started to get a little nervous after I thought about it. I'm like, what am I committing myself to do? What's God calling me to do? So I got just more and more kind of just nervous about it. And then one day when I was doing my daily news watchings, now this was back in 2014, so it's been nine years ago, but I was doing my normal news watchings and there was a plane that left Malaysia that got up in the air and then just never came back. They never knew what happened to that plane. And this was all before I was going to get on a plane and go on this mission trip. And I was like, this isn't helping God, knowing that there's a plane that took off. And we still, to this day, don't really know what happened to it. Okay, we kind of got an idea, but we don't know. So this really got me amped up. And I said, you know what? I still got to take a week off of work to do this. So my boss isn't going to approve this. I've got to be doing my job. I'll, I'll let him tell me no. That'll get me out of this. So I went to my boss and I said, hey, you know, I might go on this mission trip. Go do it. You need to go do this. This would be a great thing for your life. I'm like, no, no, I wanted you to tell me no. Like, say no, don't get in that plane and go. But he said, no, go do it. We got, we got you covered. Go do it. I want you to do it. This is great. And I was like, oh, okay. So fine. So fine. So the trip was getting here. I was getting everything packed and ready. I tried to put all this fear of flying out of my head as best as I could, but I just couldn't help myself. I mean, I got on the plane the whole mission team was there, and we're getting ready to take off, and we took off, and we had to do a layover in Atlanta. That flight to Atlanta wasn't bad, but then when I got on the bigger plane to go across the body of water, that's where I got nervous. I still think, like, if I'm over land, maybe we can land on an interstate or something nice and easy if one of the engines went out. You know, we'd be fine. You know, we can maybe survive, but... Yeah, no, I think it's going to be, it's gonna be yeah, it's, 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 you know, I thought it was going to be a good old landing somewhere. If we had to do an emergency landing, we would be okay. 
Because you know when you're over water, they're like, well, if you feel like the plane's going down, put your head between your knees and grab the flotation. They ain't going to save you. You hit the water, you're done. I mean, you ain't coming back from that. There's not been one that I know that's come back from that. So I'm like, okay, so here we are. We're flying, leaving Atlanta, going to Honduras. You know, those longer flights have little TV screens on the seat in front of you so you can track your flight. And I was like, okay, we're still over land. We're still over land. Okay, we're over, we're kind of close to the Florida Keys. We can maybe land in the Florida Keys. Okay, we're over water. I'm holding on. I'm holding on the whole time. We're over water. And I'm like, okay, great. We're kind of close to Cuba. They're not friendly, but maybe we can land in Cuba if we had to. Okay, we're leaving Cuba. We're over water again. We're over water. Oh, we're at the Yucatan Peninsula. Okay, great. We're getting close. We're getting close to Central America. Well, as soon as we were getting ready to land on this first international mission trip, uh, he doesn't know he's getting a shout out, but I was sitting by Tom Perry, who's also a pilot. And so if I ever got nerves, I look at Tom. If Tom was kind of cool and collected, we're fine. We're fine. But on this particular trip, we're coming in for a landing. And as we're coming in for this landing, we looked out our window, and we're coming in, you know, and the engines were doing their thing. We're gliding down, and all of a sudden, we feel this abrupt pull back up. And I was like, oh, Tom. And Tom looked a little nervous. And we saw this little plane zip by our window, and he said, oh, that's not supposed to happen. And I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to go down. We're going to crash right here before the airport because the landing and the takeoff are the two most dangerous things. But luckily, we made it through. The captain got on and said, oh, we see something we don't like. We're going to fly around for a bit, and we'll come back down. I was like, okay, just breathe, breathe, breathe. We touched down. I was like, thank you, Jesus. I at least made it here. I got to get back home after the week, but I have made it here in the plane. I'm fine. But then when you go, you kind of forget, oh, yeah, I'm going to a foreign country, you know, so things are going to be a little different. So you get there, and you see all these military people with AK-47s walking you through, and you've got all this medicine and stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah, they might pat you down and check you out. I'm like, I just want to get on the bus and go. We got through customs. We got on the bus. But then they said, we're not stopping because this is the most dangerous city in the Western Hemisphere. We got to get to our village. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, am I going to make it to the village? But finally, we made it to our little resting place outside of Pina Blanca, nice little coffee plantation, a little hotel area we stayed. And I felt, okay, we made it. So we made it. I successfully got to my first international mission trip, fine. But, you know, when I got called to do that, you know, I thought I was going to go and uh, do something that's great for the people down in Honduras, which you do. You do. There is a lot of great need. There's uh, housing construction projects they need your help with. There's, there's medical treatment. They need to have uh, VBS and prayers and Bible lessons, all that great stuff. That's good work. But you just don't do mission trips, really, just to check it off a list to say, mm, I did it. No, it's much more than that. It's much more than that. And today, in this whole month of stewardship, we're looking at ways that you can give back. You know, you can give back in so many ways. You can give back not just with your monies, but also your time, your presence, your energy, your prayers, your witness. And so that mission trip for me was very fulfilling that I was able to give back, but also it's because you're building relationships. You know, that's... that's the real heart of it. You're building relationships when you go on those mission trips and when you serve the church and when you're present in the church and when you pray for the church and give to church, you're also building on your relationships. And so on that trip, I got really close to a lot of the church members who were on the mission team that I may not have known very well. You get to know them really well when you spend a week with them in a foreign country, okay? Uh, and so you do get to build those relationships within your church family, but then the people that you serve in Honduras or wherever you are, you build connections with them. And I did go on that trip twice, and I was surprised on that second trip back, 
on how easily the individuals down there, the translators, the local people, the, the worker, they remembered you. And it was like you were picking right back up where you left off last year because of those relationships. You know, and, and that's what we're built for. We're built to serve one another, but we're also built for relationships, relationships with God and relationships with each other. And so the mission trip for me actually gave me some new perspective on ways you can give back, but also what happens when you do that. You know, and it gives you a, a greater sense of calling to go and do that. It's to go and serve and, and connect and build those relationships. So yes, I, I made it back. I was very thankful to be in Atlanta. Never thought I'd be so thankful to be in Atlanta on the return flight back. Um, went and found myself in a good old American hamburger so I can eat my food. But, um, you know, that trip really changed my life. It did. And it largely due to the fact of the relationships that were bonded in that moment. And so I'm glad that my boss at the time said, yes, you can go. I'm glad that my fear of my flight disappearing and never returning did not prevent me from going on that trip. But it is something that I think many of us experience, and that is that calling to go and do something. It's that calling to go and to serve. We're all not perfect. You know, I'm not, going to, I'm not telling you I'm perfect and that I'm probably the best person to go on that trip, but I just fulfilled the calling. I felt the nudge. I allowed God to push me in that direction, and I went. And I thoroughly enjoyed that and what came from that. You know, in the passage we have today, the passage is very, very heavy on service, okay, which is kind of the focus for today with stewardship is service. You know, when the early church uh, started, which is why I like the book of Acts, because it gives you the early church history and how they wrestled with their challenges and teaches us as a church today on how we are to address the challenges and fulfill the needs. But they noticed here that there's a group of people that were not being served, that they, they didn't have a plan for, and that was the Hellenist widows, okay? To tell you a little bit about widows, in that day and age, uh, when a woman was married, everything was tied to her husband, and when her husband passed away, unless someone in the husband's family could take care of her, she had pretty much nothing, and so she was uh, reliant on the good of the community to take care of the needs. So there were a lot of widows who were without daily food. And so the church, when it saw the gap and saw the need, it stepped up and fulfilled it. But they noticed here there were some complaints from the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected. The Hellenists were those that necessarily didn't come from a Jewish background, per se. They were more of your newer Christians, newer ones to the faith, spread throughout the Roman Empire. And they said, hey, you know, the Hebrew widows are probably getting taken care of, but ours are not. We need some, somebody to step up and do this. The disciples said, well, look, we're so busy praying and preaching the word and doing our thing running the church. We can't do that. Someone else will need to do that. It's not because it was a lesser task, but it's because, I mean, realistically, one person can't do it all. They can't. And I think that's also the beauty of the church. You don't want a church where one person does it all. You want a church where everybody pulls together and fills the gaps, okay? You want a church that is on the move, that, that sees needs and goes and prays about it and finds a way to fill those needs. Well, the early church did that, and they found seven people that were full of the Spirit, that were able to do this. And this idea came from the disciples, and it pleased the community. 
So they anointed and laid hands on and prayed on these individuals to take care of the widows in their need so the disciples then can continue on in, with prayer and preaching the word and, and serving the word. And it worked great. It worked great. I think this is something that can, that can teach us how we are to fulfill the needs today. Uh, let's, you know, be real. Our church is going through a time of transition, and there are a lot of opportunities and ways that you can serve that you may not be doing right now. And just like how I had that little nudge and push to go on that mission trip, maybe God is nudging you in a way right now that you need to be in prayer about. There are many groups and many ministries that can benefit from your service if you're not currently serving in those roles. You know, I lifted up at 8.30 of all the things that, that we do that you may not think about that you can serve. You know, it doesn't have to be giving up a full week of time and money and commitment to go on an international trip. But, you know, we have a wonderful card care ministry where individuals weekly will write a card to someone who just needs to know that their church loves them. They could have had a loss in the family. They could have had a tragedy uh, and lost a job. They could just be going through a rough patch. It could be anything. They'll write a card saying, hey, look, St. Matthew knows you exist and loves you and is praying for you this week. And when you're somebody who's going through that rough moment in your life and you go check your mail, which is usually full of junk mail and bills, you get a nice little card from the church. That could be all what that you need to get through the day. You know, and we need people to write those cards. And that is a, a once-a-week time commitment that you can do. Yes, we need volunteers on Wednesday night. Wednesday night is a wonderful ministry where we gather together on a busy day in the week to have a meal and Bible study and fellowship, but it takes volunteers to do Wednesday night. We have to have people that put the salads in the salad bowls. We have to have people who plate the desserts. We have to have money takers. We have to have people in the kitchen. Uh, I see some uh, uh, kitchen crew in here right now, and they can tell you they need help with the trays and the dishes and the pots and the pans and all of that that need to be washed after every Wednesday night. We have a crew that puts up tables and chairs. We have a lot of people that pull together to help Wednesday night happen, but we still need more. And that is a way that you can give back to your church is to serve on Wednesday night. Our children and youth need great adult mentors and leaders. There are plenty of opportunities to serve the children and the youth. And there's many ways you can do that. If you don't feel comfortable leading a Sunday school class for the kids, there's other things you can do by bringing food for one of their events or helping with the cleanup or setup of a major event. There's a thousand things you can do. So what we see here in the early church is that there was a need, and the leaders of the church prayed about it, found individuals that were called to fill the need, and they filled it. And the same holds true today. Today in our church, there are many great needs. And that's why I like stewardship, because it causes us to pause and reflect and see where God is nudging us how we can serve the church. Because it doesn't take perfect people. It just takes you and the willingness and the calling to do that. And so what we didn't hear in the passage today is verse 7. It kind of gets left off. But I'm going to read verse 7 and what happened to the church after they fulfilled this need. It says, The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of disciples increased greatly. When we go out and when we serve and we fill those needs, 
we are representing Christ in the world. We are showing the world the love and grace of Jesus. And when people see that in their life, when they see that in this messy, broken world, they will begin to be curious on what we're about. And they may even come to the church to check out what this thing is that we're doing, how we're loving and how we're serving, how we're different than the world. The word of God would continue to spread and the number of disciples would increase greatly. So today, may the big message and theme that we take is that, hey, God is calling each and every one of you to do something. It's going to be different than the person sitting next to you, probably. It may be to go on that foreign mission trip and sit next to me on that plane and hold my hand. Or it can be writing a card for car care ministry or serving the kids and the youth or singing in the choir or helping on Wednesday night. It can be a lot of things. Don't be afraid to get pushed by God in that direction. Take the step. Allow it to change you. Allow it to transform you. And the word of God would continue to spread through you. And many disciples will be made. Let us pray.